Welcome. I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Hi, my name is Olivia Wan, and I'm with the Compliance Divas. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating regulatory compliance to keep you on course. Please subscribe to the Compliance Divas podcast through your favorite podcast channel or on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. Any resources we mention during our podcast can be found on thecompliancedivas.com. Please be sure to submit your questions to support at thecompliancedivas.com. So for today's discussion, we were focusing attention on infection control practices and other related safety issues for radiography. All of the divas serve as consultants and go on site and work with dental practices. And we commonly see some areas of broken links as it relates to infection control as well as safety when using radiographic equipment. For example, surfaces could be contaminated, barriers may not be used correctly, and other issues. So I'd love to talk to Mary Gavoni for a few minutes and get her input about these issues, particularly step-by-step instructions when taking radiographs. Mary. Thanks, Olivia. When we think about infection control and prevention in radiography, many people don't necessarily associate a high level of cross-contamination because we're hopefully not dealing with any blood, we're dealing with saliva, and we're not using hand pieces and creating aerosols. But yet there are many infectious diseases that can be transmitted through saliva. So we need to make sure that we're following good infection control protocols. So my first recommendation is always make sure that if you're using position indicator devices, that you are using ones that are heat tolerant. They can be heat sterilized so that you're not wiping them down with a disinfectant after you've used them. That's not appropriate because part of that device goes in the mouth and that you're not having to use a high level disinfectant or as we used to call it, cold sterile for those devices. We want them heat sterilized and packaged. So they stay in the packages until they're used. The next thing from not only an efficiency standpoint, but an infection control and prevention standpoint is when you know you're going to do a radiographic procedure like an FMX, then set up everything ahead of time that you're going to need, whether you need your digital sensors, you might need more than one size or type. If you're using phosphor plates, make sure that you have them ready inside their barriers. If you're using analog film, the old fashioned x-ray film, you can put those film packets inside barriers to help protect them from cross-contamination. But what you wanna do is have everything you need, including a lead apron and, and all the supplies out and ready so that you don't have to go into drawers because you might be forgetting about, you know, that your gloves are contaminated and you're in a hurry to try to get something and reach in and, and contaminate something. So get your barriers ready. And it's important to note 
that whatever type of barriers that you are using, whether it's for phosphor plates or analog film or digital sensors, which are the most common now, that you are using FDA cleared barriers because they've been tested to make sure that saliva and so forth can't penetrate through. We all like to try to save money and lots of people use food wrap on those devices and that is against FDA regulations. So make sure you're using FDA approved devices. And that same thing applies to barriers that you use on equipment. So if you put a barrier on your switch, when you're exposing the x-rays, if you're put, be, putting barriers on your chairs, your light handles, all those need to be FDA cleared barriers and purchased through your dental supplier. Now, unfortunately, they may be a little more pricey than going to Costco and buying the food wrap, but you need to be in compliance with those. And then we need to consider PPE for what our dental healthcare workers are wearing for exposing radiographs. So you absolutely need to have exam gloves and you should be wearing a face mask. And because we know there can be, as the divas call it, the saliva spurt from the lingual saliva gland when you're taking intraoral radiographs, we want to make sure that we are wearing our gown or jacket and that we are wearing eye protection just to protect yourselves. Again, remember, not only are we still de dealing with COVID-19, there's a lot of other infectious diseases that can be spread through saliva. So when you're exposing your, your films, whether it's extraoral or intraoral, try to touch as few surfaces as possible. And this is especially important taking intraoral because you're in and out of the mouth so many times. Extraoral is a little easier, but you still have to do some positioning and keep a container that you can put your, if you have analog films or you have phosphor plates, keep a container handy that you can drop those into. And then when you get ready to process them, you can eat more easily transport them to either your scanner or into your dark room. So I think those are some of the key issues with taking radiographs. Wow. Thank you, Mary. You are so knowledgeable and I appreciate you sharing all those points. I like how you pointed out about using FDA approved barriers. That's so important, even despite the cost, if they're more expensive. Also enjoyed how you mentioned the x-ray positioning aiming rings. You know, just because they're plastic does not mean that they're not heat tolerant. So we would look at the instructions for use how to sterilize. And I'm glad you pointed out how they should be bagged and wrapped as well. Thank you also for mentioning the saliva spurt. <laughs> and when you mentioned that, Mary, I was thinking how I had my teeth cleaned about a month ago. And unfortunately, I have a sensitive gag reflex. And I usually don't eat breakfast before a dental cleaning. So I get in the chair and the hygienist said, well, it's time for your x-rays. And at that point, I'm like, we can't do them this morning. <laughs> It might not be pretty. And so I was thinking when you were talking about the PPE, how, you know, what if it's not only the saliva spurt, but it might even be a vomit spurt if you had me in your chair. So that could be pretty ugly. So thanks for covering all those points so beautifully. We'd like to now focus on some comments from Leslie. Leslie, what could you share with us about protection against scatter radiation and some of these other safety issues that are in addition to infection control concerns. 
Well, Olivia, as we know, scatter radiation does occur, and we give our patients a lead apron and thyroid collar, especially important when we're taking dental x-rays. Um, scatter radiation, that I don't know if everyone is aware, because we kind of dismiss x-rays as being dangerous uh, due to the faster F film that we had and the digital x-rays, but some of the x-rays the bounce back of scatter is about 30% and it will travel in all directions. So we find that the studies show that it, they, it loses energy as you get further away. So six feet away, you've probably heard standing six feet away from a person you're taking x-rays from or to where you have the button to take the x-rays. Now that's something that's very important to keep in mind. When it, we talk about using a lead apron, a lead apron and a thyroid collar are required in many states. And so check with your own state Department of Health Services, radiologic branch, or whatever it's called in your area. That's what it's called in California. Because while there's been some information about lead aprons maybe not being as safe as they should be. We've heard uh, that there are some studies conducted that show that the scatter radiation may even get trapped underneath the lead apron. And I'm going to attribute that to a conference we attended recently, the OSAP annual meeting where Dr. Juan Yuppies provided a, an excellent program. For those of you who couldn't attend it as a recorded program, and he talks about this. So another thing that he talks about that is so important, besides you know knowing a little bit more about the fact that x-ray scatter radiation travels everywhere, is what can we do to reduce it? And he talked about using rectangular culmination versus the traditional round culmination of the x-ray heads. He further stated that the National Council on Radiation Protection and Measurements, which is like their, their standards, their operating standards. We have CDC and OSHA has guidelines. And, and so the radiation guidelines, or so to speak, the Bible of radiation, states that rectangular culminators of x-ray beams shall be routinely used for periapical radiography. And then he further qualified that by saying, 5% of the, of the dentists in the country are in compliance with that. So it's important to recognize that we do need to protect our patients. We need to protect ourselves. And if we aren't using rectangular culmination, he said it's a very easy thing to switch to. And he didn't find it to be extremely burdensome when it came to the cost. Back on the collars, the thyroid collars, he also mentioned that thyroid collars for children are required because they're really very, very sensitive. And, and the amount of the KVP that's used or the MA it can be certainly affect children more than adults because they're so small. The other thing I wanted to make sure that I mentioned is on the lead apron, it should be cleaned regularly. And I'm guilty of this myself. I remember working in dentistry and I figured if we didn't take x-rays, we didn't take bite wings or we didn't take a full mouth or a PA, the lead apron hung inside the treatment room and it got contaminated from aerosols that are generated during patient care. So whether the lead apron is used or not, 
it should still be disinfected after every patient. And that also leads me to the type of lead apron that you have or non-lead apron that if you can avoid having one that is fabric in the treatment room, it'll be easier when you use it on a patient. Maybe you can use the patient bib over the the fabric apron as to prevent any of the saliva or, or, or aerosols from landing on that. But if it is fabric, I would not store it in the treatment room. And I would store it as recommended by manufacturers hanging it rather than folding it. Certainly not folding it if you have lead because it can compromise the lead shielding inside the apron and you really can't see that. So you may have cracks that allow the radiation to get into or inside to the patient's skin under the apron and you don't even know it. Thank you, Leslie. I I appreciate what you said about folding the lead aprons. I don't know how many times over the years I've seen folded aprons. And when you hold them up and look at them, you can see the cross in the apron where the lead has deteriorated and is not providing protection. So some really good points on maintaining them and how to minimize scatter radiation. Mary, what can you add to that? Just one quick thing. If you have lead aprons, like Olivia just described, that the the lead is so compromised that you need to replace them, you cannot throw them in the trash. You need to recycle them. And so the easiest thing to do is to find a metal recycler in the area where you live, and they will actually buy it from you. And they buy it by weight. So you're not going to get rich. But I always tell people you may get enough to buy some pizzas for lunch or donuts, you know, for for the morning break, but you'll get some money back from it. So make sure it's recycled. And if you still have, if you're still using analog film, you need to recycle those lead films in the, the lead foil in the film packets. And if you have some sitting around from when you used to use analog films, take that to a metal recycler as well. Great points, Mary. Thank you. I also wanted to mention that you should check with your state regarding portable handheld x-ray systems, uh, as there may be requirements for monitoring, additional training, and storage of the unit. So be mindful of that as well. We want to give a shout out to Linda Harvey. She could not join the podcast today. Uh, Linda is always a wealth of knowledge, and so we look forward to her return with our next episode. Mary, What can you share with us? Well, I just wanted to share, I I knew you were going to do a shout out to Linda. Our colleague, Linda, is doing something very challenging this week. She is part of a group that is walking the Camino de Santiago in Spain. So can't wait for her to come back and share some of her adventures with us. Yes, that's going to be exciting to hear about her adventure. So this has been a great topic for us to look at how we can contribute to better enhanced infection control practices and be mindful of other issues for safety concerns that relate to radiography. So with that said, we're going to bring this episode to a close. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating regulatory compliance to keep you on course. Please submit your questions to support at thecompliancedivas.com. Any resources will be made available on our website. Thanks again. We look forward to seeing you next week.